Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. Look, football, it's over now, but NBA college basketball in the NHL, it's back in full swing. And there's only one place you should be betting on for all these sports at betonline.ag. And I know what you're saying. Hey, Joey, I just like my Chicago sports. I don't even like gambling on them. Well, at betonline.ag, you can even go to, I don't know, bet on some awards, TV shows, reality TV, the end of The Bachelor, whatever you want. BetOnline has hundreds of props and real-time options on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, don't ever forget about that online casino. It's open 24 hours. So head to the website right now and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your first 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. And that's at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming into the pod. It's the Carson Wentz pod. It's time to do it, everyone. So thanks for coming in. We're going to try to unpack it. So I'm so excited to have a recurring guest here with me today. It's John Zaglul. He is a rising Phoenix. He is a rising star in the Chicago sports scene right now. John, I'm so happy to have you on. Uh, last time when we talked, happy to have you back. How are you today? I'm doing great, Joey. Thanks for having me back. Uh, very nice and gracious intro of yours. I really appreciate the kind words. And we have a lot to unpack today. That's right. So let's get going. This is going to be great. <laughs> it is the offseason. It is already here in the NFL and the Chicago Bears right now. It is it is getting very juicy, my friend. A lot of rumors flying around, and most specifically, Carson Wentz perhaps getting traded to the Chicago Bears. Compensation right now is completely up in the air. Let's just try and go one step at a time on this. Help fill in the listeners about what is your take on just Carson Wentz, the on-the-field football player? What is your take on him? I don't have a problem with him. You know, a lot of people say horrible quarterback, uh, you know, didn't do much in the, in the NFL. I think that's a farce. I think that's just a fallacy. I mean, a couple of years ago, he was the MVP candidate. He was the front runner. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Nick Foles came in and the rest is history. And even before last season, I'll take 27 touchdowns and seven picks from a quarterback all day long. And even though his passer rating was around 93, I'm not a big passer rating guy. I think that's, you know, sometimes the passer rating doesn't reflect how good a player really did. I get it as completion percentage drops. So that hurt his rating, but 27 touchdowns down seven picks is great news to me and it should be great news to any Bears fan who is clamoring for a quarterback so I don't think he's horrible I think this past year there were a lot of issues um I think he could be broken not because of him because no weapons no line bad coaching similar situation to Mitch Trubisky here in Chicago really I feel like for the Bears case if they claim they're going all in next year why would you gamble on a guy who could be broken that's the way I see it. I have no issue with Carson Wentz. I think he could succeed in other places, especially Indianapolis with Frank Reich, his former coach in Philadelphia. But you're going to take him and bring him from Philadelphia to Chicago where, you know, there's no O-line, uh, decent running back. We don't know who the receivers are going to be. Uh, Matt Nagy, who we know doesn't want to conform to a quarterback, it sounds a lot like Philadelphia, if you ask me. I'm not too confident in him replicating any success here. That said, not a bad quarterback. I think he needs the right situation, but this is not the right situation. I'm in agreement with you. I am on the same boat with Carson Wentz in terms of talent and on the field. I think he's a guy that still has a lot of potential. He's 28 years old. He's already shown it. He's thrown for 4,000 yards. He's thrown for over 30 touchdowns. Guess what, Bears fans? We've never had a quarterback in our franchise history do either. So that's not too bad, right? 
But I think there's a lot of other things circulating around that is giving Bears fans pause. I think the compensation, I think some of the off the field stuff in terms of leadership. And then, of course, what you're mentioning right now, a guy that probably needs to be fixed of all those options right there. And, you know, there's that scenario where Matt Nagy is in week five. And we're two and two and he's going, well, Wentz still needs to learn the playbook like this takes a while. This is a process. This is something that could easily be shoveled into Bears fans faces. So on a broad spectrum spectrum right now for Bears fans, do you think what, what are they most worried about right now? Are they most worried about the compensation? Wentz the player or the people that are choosing the quarterback, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy? I would have to say the compensation. We don't know what's true. I mean, we're seeing people with random Twitter accounts putting I, out. I'm going to ask you about that. Yeah. So we don't know. So full disclosure, I don't know. I have no information. Somebody asked me the other day, oh, do you have something? No, I, I don't have anything. Trust me, I don't have a source. If they give up two first round picks for Carson Wentz, they're crazy. But I think what scares people is they're seeing these reports that, oh, the Eagles want two first rounders. Ryan Pace is listening. They're, they're talking. Yeah, that, that's pretty scary because I'm not a guy who even wants to give up three first-round picks for Watson. But that said, if we're talking about giving up two for Carson Wentz, give up everything for Deshaun Watson. So that's the way I see it. Don't give up two first-round picks for a quarterback that you might have to fix. And Matt Nagy, as we know, can't fix a quarterback. So it just – I don't understand – that whole logic. And I think that's what scares a lot of Bears fans. Why give up your future now when if Wentz doesn't work in a year, Pace will be fired, Nagy will be fired, you'll be stuck with that contract and you'll have no future draft capital. That's very scary. And why, you know, why give up something of any any sort of significance for something that isn't ready made in an offense, which I think we're in agreement has a lot of work to do and is still maybe trying to find its own footing. Okay, so I want to walk the listeners through. So give me just a second here. I want to kind of lay all the cards out on the table of sort of what we know so far. And if I miss something, you can help me fill in the gaps. About a week and a half ago, we hear rumors that the Indianapolis Colts and the Chicago Bears are going after Carson Wentz. We then about a day or so later, get leaked on Twitter that the Bears all of a sudden have the top offer out there for Carson Wentz. And it is a big deal. It involves first round picks. Q Bears fans absolutely going crazy. Then we get the reports of Adam Schefter saying that these, you know, that this could coming be coming in the you know next day or so. Bears fans freak out even more. From what I understand, what happens after that? Philadelphia, Howie Roseman, their general manager, begins to leak out to whether you want to say it's the Philly radio broadcaster that they've outed or someone else. They begin leaking out information of what that deal would look like. And to me, it just sort of seems like Howie Roseman's sitting back and he's like thinking off the top of his head and he's just like, throw Tariq Cohen in that report. Like, go ahead, just eh, yeah, two first round picks. And we start getting these crazy stories of Nick Foles. There's a report out there that it was Nick Foles, a first round pick and Roquan Smith for Carson Wentz. We got a report out there that it was Tariq Cohen, two first round picks and Nick Foles. So all of a sudden, the Eagles, in my opinion, are now pumping up this world of internet communication that we now have in 2020, which has been a very interesting ride over the last couple of years and bears fans are losing their minds. What it seems to be happening right now is that the bears are getting a little nervous, maybe not just because of the backlash, but because of, yeah, Hey, what the hell is going on right now? This isn't our original deal. 
and they seem to be sort of cooling on that, and their offer isn't exactly as insane as the Eagles are making it out to be. So my question for you is, did the Eagles overplay their hand on this? Is this now like lost in media frenzy of rumors and innuendo? And could this possibly kill a deal where Carson Wentz could be coming to the Bears? It could. I mean, this is a huge fault by them. You know, everybody knows the Eagles don't want Carson Wentz. Like, they're desperate. They, they, they don't believe in it. We saw it last year. They benched him for Jalen Hurts, who, by the way, ended up getting benched at the end of the year, too, because he didn't do that good. He started hot, then he went downhill. So we all know, everybody knows the Eagles don't want Carson Wentz. I really did not like the way it was handled whatsoever. And I think, fortunately for Bears fans, um, that will lead to a no deal. I think it'll, it, it totally ended what was supposed to happen. There might have been a deal in place. Who knows? But by putting out all this information and leaking all this stuff and saying many different conflicting reports, no one knows where to turn, I think it actually worked to the Bears' benefit because now Ryan Pace, as we've seen, supposedly, he's having second thoughts about this whole thing, and everybody knows the Eagles are asking too much. See, you can't be in a position of leverage. Beggars can't be choosers. The Eagles already said we don't like Carson Wentz. They, they proved it last year, but now they're turning around and saying, well, we want two first-round picks and an NFL-ready quarterback, and you know, why don't you throw in a defensive player or your second running back, and we'll make the deal. No, no, no. You should be grateful or lucky you're even getting any offers or any discussion for Carson Wentz because he's broken. The guy was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year, and you're demanding two first-round picks to get him. I mean, what nerve? That, that's insane. And on top of that, you know, to get a dead cap hit of $30 million just to get him off your roster. Yeah, they saturated the market through the rumor mill, and hallelujah, because it seems like now, you know, Ryan Pace, you know, it's either – they may feel a little bit nervous about what they're actually going to be moving forward in the backlash, or it just maybe feels like dirty politics a little bit. I kind of want to ask you, you know, we're in this game, you know what I mean? We're in the sports talking business. We're in the sports content business. I'm struggling to kind of think like the, over this past five days, you know, there are these moments where you get these reports and you see these tweets. And for us, you know, Obviously, Bears fans want to talk about it. That's all I've been doing. I've been texting with my buddies, being like, hey, what would you think of this? What would you think of that? We're up all night on the board trying to figure out the Deshaun Watson trades that would make it work. But my question for you is, with all this weird false reporting, you know, how, you know, how do we move forward, you know, in 2020, 2021, 2022 now with this information that sort of leaks from people that are a little bit unverified? You've got Bears beat reporters who I trust, like, you know, the Dan Weeders of the world irritated, annoyed, upset that it's being falsely reported this way or that. I, I just want to say that there's a, there's a temptation for me to, when I see, you know, the Carson Wentz news to go on and just report, like they can't trade Tariq Cohen and Ryan Pace is the worst person in the world when that might not even be true. You know, it's just kind of a fascinating time for people like me and you. And I just want to get your take on just what's happened the last five days and how you've gone about your process of delivering that content. Well, you know, Twitter's a nasty place. I'm sure you, that's why you're not on Twitter. That's why I wish I, that's why I wish I wasn't on Twitter if I didn't have to be, if I wasn't in this. Business. Hold on. You can find me at, uh, you can find me at, oh yeah, that's right. Nowhere <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> right. And you're the smart one. You are the smart one, my friend, for Am not I? even, no, you are. I'm telling you right now, because by not being on there, you're not subjecting yourself to all these random rumors, random accounts. You got people giving opinions. You got people saying, oh, a trade is imminent. You've got people saying, oh, here are the offers. Here, here are the details. So what I've tried to do is I, like you said, I, I look to the actual reporters who, you know, are on the beat doing their job 
and not some kid like me inside of my room, you know, putting out there saying, oh, I know the details. You don't know anything. You don't know anything. It, it's all about the likes. I get it. You know, a lot of people are using the opportunity to um, promote their own brand and get bigger. And I understand that. Believe me, I'm a big marketing guy, but don't spread false information because in the end, you're going to hurt your own brand. Number one, people won't trust you moving forward. And number two, all the attention you get today is going to be the only attention you'll ever get because moving forward, no one's going to trust you. People are going to unfollow you and no one's going to want to hear what you have to say about anything, whether it just be an opinion or a fact, you know, you, you just got to be really careful with that stuff. That's why I told you already, somebody said, Oh, do you have sources? No, I don't know anything. This is just an opinion I'm putting out there. See to it as you will. If you like it, great. If you don't tell me why you don't like it. I'm not here to report. I'm not here to falsely spread any information. And no one really should be doing that because it's, it's not classy. It's not good reporting. And in the end, you're going to end up paying for it in some capacity. Maybe no one will come after you. A law enforcement officer won't throw you in jail, but um, the private market, Twitter will say, you know what? We don't like that kind of reporting. We're going to all unfollow you. That, that's the ramification. So think long and hard before you, you put out any information. That's a life lesson in general. Think long and hard before you publish anything, before you say this is true, this is not. Do your own research and try and understand and grapple with it rather than just put something out and, and hope for instant attention. Yeah, you're making you're making some great points because, you know, one of the first tenets in journalism school, too, is all about, you know, how do you treat sources and how do you disseminate information and how do you give it out? And I'm sure a lot of people are either burning sources right now or are making stuff up and will never gain sources because of the information that they're putting out right now. And on top of it, too, it's an interesting, fascinating wrinkle. And this is something that I hope the Bears organization notices. And I think we all as Bears fans already know this to be true. This is Ryan Pace we're talking about here. And the Bears are desperate at quarterback. So what is happening? The mill, the rumor mill, the cycle, even Howie Roseman himself, you know, with the Philadelphia Eagles, they are preying on Ryan Pace. They are going after him right now because he's made poor decisions in the past. He's an easy target. The Bears are desperate right now. So in theory, when that happens, you can almost make anything up. And I go, would Ryan Pace really do that? Oh, my God, he would really do that. When that could actually possibly be further from the truth. And it's, it's, it's interesting how this is all playing out. And we'll see what happens. And maybe Ryan Pace still overpays for a guy like Carson Wentz. And we'll have that conversation when it becomes a reality. But isn't it an interesting wrinkle moving forward? that the respect level for Ryan Pace outside of the organization, whether it's fans or other NFL teams right there, doesn't seem to be very high because they can get away with fabricating something that might not necessarily be true or really make rational sense. Right. And that, that's an insult to Pace. Exactly. You know, we're all human. I know you make mistakes. I know it's the Chicago Bears. And I know you want to take advantage of the little guy who drafted Mitch Trubisky. I understand it. But in the end, you know, what are you doing? I mean, again, we, we talk about classiness. We talk about just basic dignity. That's not dignity. What, what? You're trying to manipulate public opinion by putting out all these false stuff and then you're going to try and make Ryan Pace bite. I, I mean, come on, really? Like, have, have we sunk into that level, Joey? Have we, have we gotten to that level as a, as a sports-loving society? Let's let Ryan Pace make the decision. Let's let him make the decision. 
let's hope that he's not influenced by all this false stuff going out here. And let's hope that fans, which for the most part, they've done a good job actually rooting out what's fake and what isn't. But let's hope that they continue to do that and at least give him the ample, the proper amount of time to make a decision instead of jumping to all these conclusions. You know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that it has to be that way. And I understand, again, 2021, Twitter, all that stuff. But, you know, don't insult the guy. He's still there for a reason. Hey, they, they went 12 and four in 2018. They're, they're not a horrible team. Um, so let's give him some time to think and mull things over. And before we come out and make a, a big declarative statement. Well, and also too, as well, you got to sort of think about as things move forward, technologically, the lessons that are kind of being learned a little bit here where, you know, I, I, I've, I've had experience also in the entertainment business on the comedy and the acting side of things. And people talk all the time. And I've heard you heard that you've heard this before too. It's all about eyeballs, John. It's all about clicks. Mm -hmm. Who are your followers? Who's that? Who's that? And it's really funny that when you publish an article, there's something to be said about, yeah, you're going to get that click. Yes, you're going to get that follow. But if your information is unsturdy and if your information is false, there will come a time where that click and that eyeball will go away. I think the idea is you want to build the trust based on that first click to have people come back and continue to get that same information over and over again. But if you keep putting out false narratives of this, that, or whatever, eventually people will just kind of stop listening to you. I would like to think that that's true, but I'm not really sure in this day and age, but I feel like we're a bit on the same page. And what I appreciate about you too, as well, and what you're talking about is when you are trying to get something along the lines of clicks and listeners and followers, there are principles that still go beyond that. You can't just do and say whatever you want just to get people to, to follow you. You know what I'm saying? hundred percent agree. That, that's why, and, and you know, my content, I always make sure I'm trying, I, I give an opinion, but I don't try and overdo it. I don't try and enrage people on purpose or get people all riled up to, to engage because no one's going to respect you in the future. No one's going to say, Hey, you know what? This guy brings some good stuff to the table. They're just going to say, this guy's some hot take artist who has no clue uh, what, what he's talking about. So that's yeah, just, just do your best to stay somewhat down the middle. Don't, don't spread false information. Don't enrage people on purpose for clicks because very few people in general will end up making it by doing that. You see the people on network TV, you could count them all on a finger, on a hand. I mean, there, there aren't many. So why follow those people when you can make your own content and you know try to be the best person that you could be when you're spreading information and putting out videos podcasts or articles. I mean, it's common sense to me, but a lot of people don't see it. Well, and I think we're also trying to get in the game of we're trying to make people contemplate. We're trying to fascinate. We're trying to make people think a little bit deeper about issues where, you know, the Max Kellermans of the world, you know, I, I, I think Max Kellerman's really talented, but I'll be honest with you. There's this days where I'm like, I'm not going to listen to him because I just don't want to be pissed off today. You know what I mean? So some people get into that. Like some people are like, oh, I can't wait to see him rail on Tom Brady. And then there's other days where I'm just not interested in playing that game. Pivoting back to sports just real quick. The Bears don't get Carson Wentz. What's the backup plan? What do you think they do and what do you think they should do? I want to hear what, what John thinks the Bears should do first. Well, number one, they should do everything they can to acquire Deshaun Watson. I know, I know it's crazy. I know they have to give up a lot. I know the Texans aren't fielding phone calls, whatever it might be. Do what you can to get Deshaun Watson, first of all. If that falls through, which it probably will, I would say at that point, you have a couple of options. You could look at uh, Derek Carr. I have no issue with him. Not a bad quarterback. He'd do okay here. 
um, you can sign a free agent. I did a video a couple of weeks ago, top five quarterbacks the Bears could sign or trade for. I had Tyrod Taylor. I had Ryan Fitzpatrick on that list. Both of those guys would be cheap options who could do well. Tyrod Taylor, get this, great stat. The lowest interception ratio in the NFL, in NFL history. The guy never turns the ball over. Ryan Fitzpatrick is always capable of putting up a lot of yards, a lot of points. He could keep the Bears in games offensively. That's someone. You could also draft someone, and I'm okay with that too. I know Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy wouldn't be because their careers are essentially on the line here, and I wouldn't be betting on a rookie quarterback to get you to the playoffs next season. But as far as the Bears' future goes, not a bad idea. Why not move up in the draft? Why not stay where you are in the first round? Trey Lance is out there, Mac Jones. People are talking about all these different prospects. I have no issue with the Bears drafting someone or drafting someone and keeping Nick Foles. I have no issue with that if that's going to be the case. I would say bring back Mitch, but unfortunately we've seen reports to the contrary saying that Mitch doesn't want to come back. Matt Nagy sure as hell doesn't want him back, and I understand both sides of that. Oh, um, Valentine's Day so, right around the corner, and it looks like they're heading for a breakup, John. It's going to be tough. It's going right. to be a tough Valentine's Day for them. It is. It is. So, unfortunately, with that option completely off the table, I would say do what you can to get Watson. If you can't get Watson, try Carr. Um, but even if not Carr, if you don't want to give up so much draft capital for Carr, which I wouldn't because Derek Carr is not the guy to give up three first round picks for you. Yeah, I'm starting to also kind of wrap my head around. You know, Deshaun Watson is the Moby Dick. He's the big whale. He's the big fish that's out there. And God, I would love to have him. And if you don't trade for him this year, you should try and trade for him next year. You know, that's how much I, I believe in a guy like that. But I'm just starting to realize that that's not realistic. And even if we do get Carson Wentz, I'm not exactly going to be blown away either if that happens. So I am starting to kind of wrap my head around Derek Carr. I'm with you. I do like Derek Carr. The money works for me. I believe it's 19 million next year, 22 million the year after that. That is very easy money. You can actually go out and trade Nick Foles and actually spend some money, maybe keep an Allen Robinson around with a guy like Derek Carr and to create a bridge situation just to kind of get you through the next couple of years and compete. And hopefully you find that next guy. Tyrod Taylor, I'm not as excited about a little bit. He just doesn't take shots downfield. And with Matt Nagy, the big problem with me and Mitch Trubisky, look, Mitch Trubisky, and we're going to look back on this and it's going to be sad and it's going to be ironic, but Mitch Trubisky, great guy, super athletic, great athlete, right? Works really, really hard and is good at a couple of things on the field. But the one thing that he wasn't good at is unfortunately the reason why he won't be on the Bears moving forward. And it's that second level. Reading the progression on the second level, 15, 20 yards down the field, I'm making those decisions. I tell you, man, I went back and when I watched that Atlanta Falcons game, and I'm not saying Matt Nagy is correct or incorrect in this, but when he benched Trubisky after that interception, it wasn't because of the interception. It was because Matt Nagy, when he looks at that Falcons film, he believes that they should have been up 35 to nothing in that first half. Because if you watch it, there are plays where scheme-wise, Anthony Miller's wide open for a touchdown pass. Allen Robinson breaks off a route and he's open for a 25 yard pass and Mitch, he's not making the wrong choice. He's just checking down. And then there's the, there's the ceiling there that just can't be, that just can't happen. Now with a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm kind of not opposed to it. I honestly think that he could give you comparable, if not maybe a step above offensive production than we got from last year. 
which if that means a couple more wins to me, that means a 10 and six record. We're going to the playoffs. Everyone keeps their job. Lottie da. We keep looking for the quarterback. My only fear right now with drafting a quarterback is that I saw in a report today, I think, um, you know, McShay, Todd McShay came out with his first mock draft. He's got the bears trading up 12 to take Mac Jones at 12, but the compensation is steep. It's, you know, it's a first rounder next year. It's a third rounder this year. It's very similar to what a Carson Wentz, uh, you know, that type of, that type of deal, what Derek Carr is probably asking for. I mean, my question for you would be Derek Carr known commodity, but maybe not great, right? Turkey club, get the job done. Great sandwich. Fantastic sandwich. Carson Wentz maybe is like the roast beef sandwich, but it's been slathered in mayo and it's been sitting in the sun for six hours. Right. And then the quarterback is the Ryan Pace chosen quarterback in the draft. That's the sandwich that, you know, Ryan Pace is like, Hey, it's a secret sandwich. I just put together all these ingredients while you take a bite out of it. You know, which one perhaps would scare you less. It almost feels like Derek Carr is the safe option. He is. I hate to say that, but at the same time, he had a good year last year. He's gotten better, progressively better under John Gruden. I remember, and you probably do too, when Gruden first took over, everyone said, oh my goodness, Derek Carr's time's over. Gruden already hates him. I was like, well, they didn't even play together yet. We, we have to wait and see how this plays out. He's gotten better under Gruden. I wouldn't be opposed to it. The thing that actually worries me, you know, he's never won a game in weather under 50 degrees. I could see that happening to Derek Carr when, you know, he comes here to December game. The Bears are rallying for a playoff spot and the guy just can't play because it's too cold. People say it's not important. I say it is. You know, why give up another first round pick just to get a first round pick, then give up a third round pick? That's way too much. And as we've seen before, this is Ryan Pace's fault. You can't be giving up four picks to move up one spot in the draft. That's ridiculous. And I have a sick feeling that could happen again. So if we're comparing those specific options, without question, Carr's the best choice, even though we don't know how he's going to do in cold weather. My final question for you with Carson Wentz is, if there's a first-round pick involved at all, do you feel like that they overpaid? Do not give up first-round draft capital to get a broken quarterback. Why would you give up a great player, who could be a great player, to get some quarterback who was one of the worst in the NFL last year? That just boggles my mind. Like, don't give up anything worthwhile to get a bad quarterback or at least a bad quarterback from last year's standards. So yeah, giving up a first for Wentz, way too much. Give up a later round. And the Eagles, again, are no position to be asking for a first round pick. They have no leverage whatsoever. So if I were Ryan Pace, don't give in to what the Eagles' demands are. You know they don't want him. You know they're shopping him. Don't give up legitimate draft capital to get some broken quarterbacks. I'm in agreement with you. Be, be, be prepared to walk away, right? And I think they should be hammering right now on conditional picks. We're like, hey, if Carson Wentz does not play a certain X amount of games, guess what that third pick, third round pick turns into next year? Turns into a sixth rounder. On and on and on and so forth. Losing a first round pick this year would hurt because there's a lot of maulers on the offensive line that are going to be in that 15 to 25 area that I like a whole lot that could be your future right tackle, future left tackle. That is a big, big piece right now. And the Bears traditionally don't spend major capital on those types of positions. So I really would love to keep that pick at 20 if we are going to acquire a quarterback. And John, we're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, it's Ryan Pace. It's the Chicago Bears. It's the internet. It's Howie Roseman. It's the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, these are some interesting pieces right now where it's really hard to read the tea leaves and read between the lines. 
Before we get you out of here, though, I want to switch it over because baseball is right around the corner, my friend. Pitchers and catchers are going to report in about a week. We got Cubs. We got White Sox coming back right now. Two teams, I feel like, not necessarily ships passing in the night, but two teams going in a bit of a direction, unless you check out the Pakoda rankings. Uh, Pakoda came out yesterday. We're going <laughs> to... Get ready to rant, my friend. I'm here to now. Now we got some hot takes going. I'm gonna get you get you really going here. But yeah, Pakota came out. They got the Cubs, I believe, at 85 wins. They got the White Sox at 83 wins. Just your first your first blush take on that particular number, because I was just to put it generously, I was surprised. I did a video on this. It's gonna come out today. This is how I opened it. A kingdom divided cannot stand. If you're fighting within each other. You will not stand. There's no unity. You won't stand. Sabermetricians right now, Joey, are fighting within each other yes. about these Pakoda rankings. See people say, oh, my goodness, these are horrible. These are data analysts who said these are bad. Others have said, oh, I support it. I support the data. Good job. That goes to show you, to me, that sabermetrics are a farce. I don't care who this offends. They are a farce. War is an approximation, not a real stat. It's not like a tally. 39 home runs, that's a real number. 7.4 oh, yeah. war. Above, above replacement is a fictitious baseline number. You know Thank what I mean? You. Thank you. So all of these projections mean nothing. Pakoda in 2015 said the Cubs would win 82 games. Guess what? They won 97, went to the NLCS. So that right there proved to me I'm never listening to these things again. I am, I am so disgusted. I can't believe that. And I'm not even a Sox fan. I'm right down the middle. I'm not even a fan of anybody, but I'm so disgusted for all these people who claim they know everything about baseball. They come to the conclusion that the White Sox, after what they did this offseason, after what they did last year, are going to be a worse team than the Cubs. Give me a break. That's a joke. I mean, John, what do we do with this, man? I was I was hitting you up on Facebook Messenger yesterday. I mean, we've got we've got the Pakota rankings. We've got uh, the most recently our election pollsters. Uh, we've got meteorologists. We've got the groundhog on Groundhog Day. I mean, who are these? These prognostications right now are just so wild. They're supposed to be based on numbers and math. This kind of ropes a little bit back around to I know that they're talking about formulas and mathematics, but I do feel like Pakota sometimes they get a little pleasure out of the clickbait. Don't you think they get a little pleasure out of? Hey, who are the big winners of the offseason? Well, it's it's the Blue Jays, it's the Padres, it's the White Sox. Well, this White Sox team is only going to win 82 or 83 games. The only way I see the White Sox winning 82 or 83 games, in my opinion, is six injuries, right? I mean, and you pick however you want, pitching staff, closer, lineup, whatever, Jose Abreu, whatever it is. And I am not wishing that anyone. I'm knocking on wood right now in the second. But just the fact that the way that the White Sox played last year, the way that the White Sox played in September, where you had guys, rising stars like, you know, Luis Robert, you know, hitting what, 083 in September. You had a guy like Eloy Jimenez on and off the bench. You had a guy like Yon Moncada dealing with the after effects of, of COVID and not playing his best baseball. You're telling me that that team coming back is going to be dealing with all those issues again and they're going to be less for it? It just doesn't make any sense to me. I will ask you, though, the Cubs number 85, it feels a bit high, but the division right now isn't very juicy, in my opinion. You know, I can wrap my head around the Cubs at 85. I want to dig in more on the White Sox for a second, but the Cubs at 85, I, I can see that in a world, right? And then, of course, what do you think would stand in the way of that, pitching? Yeah, they don't have enough pitching. Um, right now, they still don't even know technically who their number four and number five starters are going to be. 
Here's a fun fact, though. 2007, the Cubs won the division, winning 85 games. So I could see the Central going out like that, where there's going to be an 85 team uh, or 85 win team that's going to win the division. I could totally see that. I think that number's a bit too high. I'd put the Cubs more so maybe around 82, 83. But that's about right. I'll give them credit. But the White Sox to be at 83, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know where those numbers came from because this team is clearly at least a 90-win team, if not more. I can see a situation where the Twins maybe beat them out for the division. But this White Sox team, this thing is ready-made and ready to go. Not only do they have top-notch starters, but they've got a guy like Lance Lynn that they brought in to fortify. You know, they have this excellent flexibility and there's this one thing that I want to throw at you and let's just kind of shoot it out there now. Cause let's be right in the future, right? Where they've got this corner outfield position in right field. I find that to be so intriguing right now because it seems like they're going to head into the season with Adam angle and Adam Eaton there. The two Adams are going to man right field for the forthcoming future. But if this team is contending, what is like the one thing that at the, around the trade deadline, what is the one thing that is the commodity that gets traded around easiest it's corner outfielders, right? It's those guys who are who are hot right there in that moment. Teams goes out, and that's that galvanizing presence. So they have the one position where they can go out and shop, bring somebody in, not upset the apple cart, not move around too many pieces, and go out there and get someone cool. And I just want to throw this out there for you right now. We're talking about the NL Central. Really curious to see what happens with the Reds this season. A team, obviously, that kind of went for it. A team that didn't really get there. And now a team that traditionally is probably going to fold the fort and move in the other direction. If that continues to happen, I could see a Nicholas Castellanos in a White Sox uniform by around August, because that's the way that the, that's the way that the Reds get out of that money. I don't think it would take a bunch of prospects to probably come back. The Reds would just be happy to get rid of the money. And then the White Sox could have him for a year and a half. I think something like that, where I just think whatever you want to say about the White Sox, what they don't have, I think they're in great position to fill in those positions as the season goes along. It's not out of the question at all. And Nicholas Castellanos is a very good player. In my opinion, the Cubs should have never gotten rid of him. They actually should have traded Bryant and signed Castellanos. Not kidding. Castellanos did much better. Uh, hot, take, than, hot take, but you're kind of right. It, it's true. Like, yeah. statistically, go look at the numbers. So that would be very intriguing. I'll tell you this much. If they somehow pulled that off, that team would be unstoppable. That's the one small hole in their lineup. But even then, Adam Eaton, to me, is a leadoff man. So I don't see him as a liability with the bat. If you trade in Adam Eaton or um, Adam Engel or both, and you put over there a bona fide hitter, Nicholas Castellanos, who could play right field relatively well, natural third baseman, but he could play out there, there are no more holes in that lineup. That lineup, one to nine, is insane. Like, you won't be able to get anybody out if you're a pitcher. So if they somehow pull it off, uh, God bless them, because they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. They already will be. They're already going to win, I would say, maybe 92, 93 games, maybe a wild card. I don't know if they're going to beat the Twins in the division, unless the Twins have a power outage, which is, I mean, it could happen. But if they somehow pull that off, automatic World Series contenders. And I still think they are today. Oh, they're the shining star of Chicago right now and probably going to be the shining star for the summer where it's going to be the one thing we're going to be actually looking at and cheering for. And yeah, Moncada on a bounce back season. Tim Anderson keeps ascending. Nick Magical with the contact. Luis Robert maybe putting a full season together. Eloy maybe staying a little bit healthier this time around. I, You know, the, all the pieces are right there. In terms of the Cubs, we'll just kind of frame it like this because there's going to be plenty of time to talk about the Cubs. I, 
I still look at that lineup. You know, I don't want this to be a rant about Ricketts and, you know, not fortifying and spending money and not keeping you Darvish when you still have the heroes of your world series team on your team. And now the division's all of a sudden weak, but you know, they still have Chris Bryant. They still have Anthony Rizzo. They still have Javier Baez. They still have Wilson Contreras. We have never throughout this entire run. And we've been making playoffs on the regular Cubs have, we've never seen those guys all in the lineup click and be healthy for, I think over 40 or 45 games at a time. And I would just love just once to see what that would be like if those collection of guys were just doing what they norm like their baseball card numbers for 50 games in a row. I would just love to see that was like. But my question for you is, what do you think it would take? How many games over 500 would they have to be? How many games up in the division would they have to be to not trade Chris Bryant at the deadline? That's a good question. They'd have to be like a 95-game winner to me or on pace to win 95 games and be at the top of the division. You know where I stand on this, Joey. I want a full rebuild. I want everybody to go. I want this team to go back to its roots, which is being lovable losers, taking time, getting prospects, and becoming great again, because that's what they did in 2012. Everybody bought in then. And I understand they won a World Series. It's different now. Why not buy in again? You've got Jed Hoyer. He was there in 2012. You could do it. Chris Bryant, you train him, you flip him if he's doing well this year. If not, I still suggest you get rid of the guy because he's not worth it. He hasn't done anything really since 2016. And you make the best with what you have. I'm okay with them losing this year, losing next year, even losing the year after that, and then by the middle of this decade becoming another 9,500-win team and being a World Series contender. I, I don't understand why so many people just – scoff at that idea people who do that obviously in my opinion aren't really real fans of this team because their roots are losing they don't win they lose they lose all the time they're they're a horrible team but when they did win it was monumentous let's see it happen again i have no issue with it let's see them go back to their roots great everybody and then within three or four years be great again and everybody will be happy and there won't be any complaining and there won't be any uh doubt or any issues Everyone bought in before. Let's see him buying again. I'm just telling you, and it, it's just tough. It's just tough, tough for Cubs fans, man. It just is. You know, I mean, 84 to 89, 89 till 1998, 1998 until 2003, 2003 until seven and eight, seven and eight, all the way back up to 2015. And it's just, it's just tough when, when you move into a big house, it's hard to smaller. It just is. And maybe, and I, look, I'm in agreement with you because it does need a massive overhaul. But what I am emboldened by and why I think maybe this is a bit of a middle ground suggestion to what you're saying, where I still think there's a world where this season specifically, I think the guys that you build around moving forward, and there's not many of them, it, it's Kyle Hendricks, it's Anthony Rizzo, and it's Javier Baez. Everybody else, in my opinion, is on the table. You got to get out of Hayward's money. And you eventually got to figure out, you know, KB is just not coming back. And I personally, I just don't think, I think Wilson Contreras' value will only go down in proceeding seasons than what it already is now. So you really just kind of need to think about that. And honestly, people don't really prioritize catching, offensive catching as much as they need a guy who's going to be able to call a good game. So you can kind of move on from that. They like Miguel Amaya. My pitch, though, is something a little bit similar to what they did in 2013 and 14. Let's just say you trade KB. 
but let's just roll out a team and let's just root as hard as we can for Zach Davies to have a great half. Let's root for as hard as we can for Jacques Peterson to be hitting th- over 300 in July, because you know what? I want to flip those dudes. You know, let's root for Trevor Williams to have an ERA right around three o'clock around that time. And let's just see if we can maximize and cash in on some of those people. Like just remember Scott Feldman and Jeff Samarja, we traded him for Addison Russell. That worked out great. You know what I mean? And I'm sorry. Scott Feldman was in the Jake Arrieta deal. We need to do right. something like that where we need to be taking guys who are hot right now in that season, trading them to, you know, uh, playoff hungry and desperate teams that need it and maybe get that value, get 120% on the dollar just a little bit and bring something back. Keep Rizzo, keep Baez. And then in my opinion, if you can just work a way to get out of the Hayward money or get at least close to the very end of it, I would I would think about spending again in a year or two. I, I, I really would, because just when you have players like Anthony Rizzo, you just got to give him one more shot at the apple. I mean, he's the Jonathan Taves. He's the Patrick Kane. You just want to see him get one more shot at it. That's maybe me being sentimental. And you might have a little bit better of a track to build sustained success. I just think that they can come back and be competitive a little bit quicker than than you might think with some of the guys that we still know and love on that team. There might not be many of them, but there might be a couple of them. That's a good assessment. Um, you know, I'm not high on Rizzo, and that's me being a realist, not being sentimental. I'd love to see him stick around, and if he's willing to, over time, reduce his role. So, for example, if the universal DH comes, if he's willing when he's 35 to say, you know what, I'll take a one-year deal and be a DH, I'm totally – I am not opposed to that whatsoever. My issue with him is just his age. I don't know if he'd be a good guy to build around knowing how old he is and what he's done already. The probability that he goes down is higher than him going back up or staying at the point at what he was before. But for sentimental reasons, I agree. Keep him here. He was here back in 2013, still here now. You got to reward a guy for that more than anybody else because he was here during the bad days and the good days too. As for everybody else that you said, I agree. Baez, he could be worth building around if he could cut down on strikeouts. Um, and Hendricks is a great pitcher. I'm fine with Hendricks sticking around too. The rest though, you know, I hate to say it, but they, they got to go. Final question for John, John Zaglul here on the betting Chicago podcast today. We got Valentine's day coming up in just a couple of days. I'm doing a podcast tomorrow with a couple of buddies. Of mine. We're going to be playing some Chicago sports games. So we're just going to play one round of Mary kiss kill. You're a young man. You're, you're a young man. So I'm keeping the language. I'm keeping the language clean. But we're gonna play one game. It's gonna call. It's called Mary Kiss Kill. And here it goes. Chicago deep dish, Italian beef, or Chicago hot dog. You gotta marry, kiss one of them, kill one of them. What's it gonna be for you personally? Well, I'd kill the hot dog right off the bat, only because you don't know what kind of meat you're eating. I like hot dogs, believe me, but I haven't had one in a while because I don't. That know was what- that was savage. You killed that so quickly, John. That was just, you didn't even think about it. I don't know what I'm eating. I mean, hey, it'd be higher up if I knew what I was putting in my body, but I I really don't. I love a Chicago hot dog, though. Don't get me wrong. I just haven't had one in a long time. We're killing Uh, the hot dog. um, So with the hot dog out of the picture, I'd probably have to go deep dish. I would kiss, and then I would marry Italian beef. And I know that that might be very unpopular, but I eat Italian beef much more than deep dish. That's the only reason. I love deep dish pizza, but... I'd rather have a nice thick crust and put on tons of toppings, get some good sweet sauce on there. And, and I eat Italian beef much more often than I do, than I do um, deep dish pizza. So Italian beef is my, uh, my top pick for you, even That's, though it's unpopular. 
No, that's that's okay, man. I'm killing the hot dog too. I love the hot dog, but out of these options, I gotta kill the hot dog. I gotta be honest with you. I'm I'm kissing the ajus on this one. I'm, I'm marrying the deep dish. The deep dish has just got the stability, you know. There's just it's just it's got all the <laughs> it's got the weight and all the ingredients. It's just never gonna let you down. It's your foundational piece. It's just gotta that's 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 the one I would marry right there. John Zaglul, thank you so much for coming on. If you could uh, real quick just let us know how the good listeners can um, follow you either with your web content on Twitter, whatever you'd like. Give us a little plug for for yourself. Well, Joey, thank you for having me. Always appreciate it. Um, you can follow me at John Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Find me at John Zaglul on Facebook and. Go to sportstalkchicago.com for all my shows or listen to me every day from 2 to 3 p.m. Central on AM 1530 WCKG right here in Chicago. Oh, man, you're doing great work. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on, man. Great contact. Keep up the good work. If Hawk Harrelson was calling you and you were a baseball player, he'd call you Johnny Zags. (laughs) Johnny Zags on the bump. Thank you so much for tuning in today, you guys. This is Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by who else? BetOnline.ag. Head to their website right now, and you'll get a 50% off the welcome bonus on your first deposit. So you got to make sure you check that out. Thank you so much for listening today. we got one more coming this week and a bunch of more stuff coming next week. But until then, thank you so much for listening. Be well. Be safe. Be good to each other. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.